What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 89, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus card going down this Saturday night, headlined by Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. This fight card is taking place in Raleigh, North Carolina this Saturday, January 25th, 2020, with the first six fights starting on ESPN Plus at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and the six main card fights starting on ESPN Plus at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So 12 fights all on ESPN Plus going down this Saturday in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's actually a pretty good card from top to bottom. At first glance, I was extremely underwhelmed with it, uh, and then right away on the first fight in the evening I think that I got some some motivation to keep studying through the card and honestly there's there's some good matchups in the rest of the card and I'm, I'm pretty looking forward to the card right now so that's a great thing about uh, taping all these fights when you study each fighter and you watch their most recent fights and you get into the betting odds the entire card becomes more interesting every matchup becomes interesting and I'm, I'm actually really excited for the first fight of the evening which is taking place in the featherweight division where we have Nate Landwehr who is 13 and 2 taking on Herbert Burns who is 9 and 2 the opening betting line for this one was Landwehr, the minus 140 favorite to Burns, plus 110. Right now, we are seeing Landwehr, minus 120 to Burns, plus 100. So, two-way action coming in on this fight. We have both guys making their UFC debut in this one. And as I just mentioned, I'm really excited for this matchup, mostly because of Nate the Great Landwehr, because I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him on uh, his regional fights. He's fighting over in uh, in Russia, and M- the M1 promotion, a really solid promotion. He's fighting some really stiff competition over there. He's going the five-round distance. He's looking really good, making improvements from fight to fight. I'm really impressed with uh, how well-rounded he is, uh, the competition that he's beat. There are no slouches, and... Herbert Burns has actually kind of impressed me too as well. Uh, he, he looked good. He also fought in a good promotion in, in one FC. Fought some pretty steep competition over there. But when he really faced the the really high-level guys, he actually lost those fights. Guys who could stuff takedowns. Guys who could defend submissions. Guys who wouldn't just be taken down very easily and tapped out. That's really Herbert Burns' best path to victory for all of his opponents. His past five wins have come by submission or early in the fight. So... Uh, fighting late into the fight, fighting a decision is not Herbert Burns' specialty. Striking is not his specialty. And honestly, I'm actually really unimpressed with his jiu-jitsu game too. And this is really where uh, studying jiu-jitsu, training jiu-jitsu comes into play because you can see his submissions on his record and him getting first-round submissions and thinking he's like an elite jiu-jitsu guy. He is not. He is not like his brother Gilbert Burns. Burns uh, is much higher level, and I actually don't think Burns uh, in this spot is going to be much of a submission threat to Landwehr at all. I think that Landwehr has been fighting much better grapplers over in M1. He's been fighting guys with good wrestling pedigrees. He's been stuffing takedowns, and I think that Herbert Burns is actually in for a rough night here. I think he's going to be trying to shoot takedowns. Landwehr is probably going to be stuffing them. Burns is going to be pulling guard and attempting submissions off his back, but Landwehr is not going to have it. He He's a beast. Uh, he can 
power out of positions he has a he has a good top game when he needs to he can stuff takedowns and his striking is not perfect when it once he fights a, a really good counter striker a guy with some good accurate striking he could be in some trouble but versus burns there's no question that landware is going to be the better striker he's got good pressure good output he does good work to the body good knees to the body and i think that if burns doesn't get that early submission that early takedown and really start controlling this fight early landware is going to start putting a pace on him pressuring him him and likely getting a TKO at some point just from uh, putting burns on his back foot landing so many body shots and uh, Landwehr just does not stop coming forward as I mentioned he has that 25 minute experience he just won uh, a really exciting fight against Kolsnick uh, the rematch with Kolsnick I recommend you go watch that fight Nate Landwehr versus Kolsnick uh, from N1 Global it's just an incredible fight and like I would be remiss to not to not mention Landwehr's uh defensive problems like he he does not have the greatest striking defense it seems like he like willingly eats head kicks i've seen him get head kicked and rocked like several times but he recovers fast he somehow has an iron chin and i mean i'm, pr I'm pretty confident that landwehr is juiced to the gills right now coming into the ufc so uh, i really like that behind him that's the type of guy i want to bet on a guy who who's juiced up who is has great pressure who's going to stuff these takedowns and has honestly been probably fighting better competition and beating them over an M1. So as you can tell, I'm really I'm really sold on Landware in this one, really underwhelmed by what I've seen from Burns, his grappling game. He's, his overall game is just not that developed. So I'm going to pick Nate the Great Landware to get this one done by second round TKO and will probably end up placing a pretty decent sized wager on him. Uh, we're waiting to see. I mean, minus 120, I think that's well within, within uh, value. I would honestly cap him closer to minus... 200 than anywhere near evens right now so i'm he has been a plus 100 minus 105 earlier in the week so i'm going to see where the money comes in the next couple days before placing my action but i will be placing bets down on nate landwehr for sure so the pick is going to be landwehr to get it done by second round tko the next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have brett johns who is 15 and 2 taking on tony gravely who is 19 and 5 the opening betting line for this one was Johns minus 215 to Gravely plus 175. Right now, the line has flipped Gravely minus 115 to Johns minus 105. So a boatload of action coming in on Tony Gravely in this one. Pretty surprised by that. Johns is the guy who has the UFC experience. He's coming off of two losses, but against elite competition in uh, Munoz and Sterling, and he honestly put up a, a good fight in both of those fights. I mean, he was severely outclassed by by Munoz, but his toughness was on full display in that fight. Easily could have been stopped in round two, but he he just gutted it out uh, with pure toughness to make it to the decision in that one. Gravely is making his UFC debut in this one. He's coming fresh off the the contender series. And uh, I've been. This is actually a very similar matchup to the last one, where we we have uh, we have Johns here, or excuse me, we have Gravely, who's going to be looking for takedowns. We have Johns, who actually has very good defensive grappling. He's hard to take down. He has good get up games. He did a lot of stuff right in the wrestling department versus Aljamain Sterling. I'm actually pretty impressed with the way he stuffed takedowns, the way he got up off his back in that one. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see from Brett johns coming into this fight the fact that he was up against another high level grappler a wrestler a former d1 wrestler like uh, aljamain sterling and he was able to stuff takedowns dig under hooks get up off his back and honestly i think that 
that he can do that same exact thing in this fight. He's coming off of a pretty long layoff, uh, over a year layoff, did not fight all last year. And I'm sure he's gotten a lot better. He's coming off of some knee surgeries as well. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I would like what I saw from John's going back and watching him his fights in the past week. Uh, he, his boxing is pretty good. He's got some good understanding of boxing. He hasn't really got to show it off too well lately because he's been fighting that, that hard competition, but it was on display in his Albert Morales fight, and he can hit offensive takedowns. He can hit top position. I mean, Johns is very well-rounded, so Gravely, on the other hand, is also pretty well-rounded. I'm, I'm impressed with him coming in here. He's got good timing on his level t changes. He's a former D1 wrestler as well, I believe. He can chain together takedowns, but I'm not really overly impressed with his top game i mean he he gets the takedowns but a lot of the times his opponents get back to the feed he doesn't have a really great submission game we have not seen gravely strike that much there's only like a few minutes of him striking because he almost shoots takedowns all the time so in the striking department i give the edge to to miles john or to uh, brett johns here i think that there's actually a pretty decent advantage for john's uh, in the striking department he's got the way better pocket boxing he's got good defense he can throw some good low kicks body kicks as well so uh i'm really interested to see that the two of these guys strike and i think john's will be winning those exchanges the grappling exchanges are really what's going to dictate this fight and i think that gravely could win a decision off of maybe just uh, kind of stalling against the cage going for the takedowns john's defending the takedowns but not much is happening in the fight and gravely's pushing john's against the cage and maybe the rounds go gravely's way that's really the best path to victory for gravely i see besides him just straight up hitting the takedowns but i just don't think he'll do that so i think that the the a possible way that i predict this fight accurately john's takedown defenses uh stands up and and gravely does not get him down but we still lose uh, uh gravely still wins the decision is by that that stall against the wall type of uh type of fight uh, and John's did kind of get stalled against the cage a little bit versus Sterling for a few minutes of that fight. So it's very possible that could happen. But I think it's more likely that John's uh, stuffs the takedown, separates from the cage, and starts landing those good strikes of his own. And uh, I've seen Gravely get taken down a few times himself, too. So look out for Johns to be maybe mixing up an offensive takedown here as well. Gravely is definitely more uh, more of an offensive wrestler than defensive. So really close fight here again. And uh, I'm siding with, with um, Brett Johns coming off of the layoff in this one. It's a, it's a near pick em fight. It's a hard fight to predict. Two similar matchups coming in to both of these fight, uh, both of the... Just kicking off the car, both similar matchups. It's going to be a takedown defense type of fight. And I'm actually siding with the takedown defense of Brett Johns here, just like I was with Landwehr. And I think that John, or Brett Johns is going to win his way to a decision in this one. So uh, the bet for this one was probably going to be Johns' money line. But right now, John, Brett Johns' no scorecards is minus 127. I, I bet that for two units earlier in the day. That line actually just dropped. It's down to minus 130 now, but still plenty of, uh, of value left there. Johns is really hard to finish. I mean, Munoz put him, beat him within an inch of his life and still didn't finish him. And Gravely has not really shown great uh, finishing ability, in my opinion. So I think it's a really good bet. If anyone's finishing in this fight, I think it's going to be Brett Johns. And if the no if the fight goes to the scorecards, you get your money back with the no scorecard bet. So uh, the pick is going to be Johns. I think he wins this one by decision and will probably end up on him for another uh, two units on his money line. But have not locked in the action yet, waiting to maybe get plus money on Johns. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division we have sarah mcmahon who is 11 and 5 taking on lena landsberg who is 10 and 4 the opening betting line for this one was 
Ashley Landsberg, the favorite at minus 152. McCann, the plus 120 underdog. Right now, we are seeing the line flip. McCann, minus 155 to Landsberg, plus 135. So, shocking opening line in there. Huge recency bias. Lena Landsberg coming off of two nice victories as a huge underdog. She was like plus 280 versus Evinger, and she was well over 3-1 to one versus Chasson. I think maybe plus 325 or something like that. And I, I made some money on her in those fights, but I think that this is a much different matchup, and I was I was originally leaning Landsberg's way, just kind of recapping it. Just remember that Landsberg had two good takedown defense performances in a row. McMahon is coming off of a long layoff. I mean, two years off. She had a baby during that time, and she now is almost 40 years old, 39 years old, and you know you'll hear that Sarah McMahon's an Olympic Olympic medalist or something like that in wrestling. Well. Women's Olympic wrestling just became a sport at the time. There were very few women involved in the sport. So sure, she medaled or got a silver medal in that, but that that really doesn't mean anything um, at this point in her career. I mean, she definitely does still have a, a good wrestling base. She likes to hit takedowns in most of her fights, but man, relying on Sarah McMahon to come in here off that two-year layoff after having a baby, after losing two fights badly let's talk about these two fights real quick because i mean they were embarrassing losses for sarah mcmahon actually the the vieira one wasn't so bad she took down ketlin vieira kept her in, in uh kept top position and dominated round one versus ketlin vieira i'm sure she was like a four to one favor uh minus 600 favorite after round one and then all of a sudden vieira turns it around starts stuffing takedowns in round two, reverses a takedown to McMahon, ends up in top position, and then gets tapped out by an arm triangle choke, but it was a very weird arm triangle choke. I mean, she was, uh, Vera was not in mount. She was not off to the same side as the arm. She was, it was a cross-body arm triangle choke, which is a pretty weak submission. I mean, like, there, no disrespect, but, like, you can survive this submission if you just gut it out. Like, it's not a really dangerous submission. You likely won't get choked unconscious from it it's mostly just a comfort thing like a pain submission but mcmahon was done she 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 gave up and she tapped out right there i, I was seeing some guys talking the, in the forums earlier and they said that they literally had their friends try this submission on them and like it, it's not a submission she just tapped out um you know Vieira has a tight squeeze and everything like that but i mean i agree with that i mean it was not a submission she just tapped out to a bad position kind of like sage northcutt did versus uh barbarina years back and McMahon's most recent fight, all the way back in February of 2018, 23 months ago, was arguably a worse loss than the Vieira one because it was to Marion Renau, a much less skilled fighter, and McMahon was arguably dominating Renau worse in, in round one. She completely dominated round one, 10-8, mounted her, kept kept mount, and then in round two, she started gassing out, going for those takedowns. She actually got dropped by a right hand from Renau, started shooting reactive takedowns, and then got tapped out with a triangle i mean another another bad submission loss from mccann so even if she wins round one even if she hits her takedown she has a history of flaking out in round two of maybe gassing out maybe it's like a, a mental thing she she's like i don't even know uh and of course she got dropped by that right hand from from Renal. So McMahon's striking is not that good. It's really she's really relying on takedowns, relying on top control, relying on having a cardio to do it in multiple rounds, which she has not done in a while. The the most recent time that she hit takedowns in multiple rounds and won the fight was versus Alexis Davis all the way back in 2016. So I mean I, I think that McCann is the the 
the going to win this fight i gotta side with her just because i think that mccann's wrestling is good enough to take landsberg down landsberg has stuff takedowns from chiasin and the stuff takedowns from evinger but the way she got taken down by aspen lad not too long ago leads me to believe that mcmahon will have success shooting on her and if if mcmahon shoots for the legs if she shoots a double leg a single leg a low low single something like that i think that she will take landsberg down probably twice uh, win rounds one and two and win the fight but if mcmahon attempts those upper body takedowns the the body lock into the the outside trip and everything like that she's going to have a lot of trouble getting landsberg down because landsberg has become really good at stuff in those upper body takedowns she, she that's really what all chiasin was going for and landsberg was a brick wall barely got taken down at all by chiasin was actually the one hitting takedowns and keeping top versus chiasin and winning rounds two and three of that fight so landsberg's game has gotten a lot better her clinch striking is actually pretty good if this fight is in the clinch i expect landsberg to be landing the more knees and elbows and winning the clinch doing damage and if mcmahon is is fooling around that distance i think landsberg has a good chance at outstriking her there too so uh, I'm, I'm definitely cheering for lena landsberg to win this fight i mean she's come through as a huge underdog uh in the past two fights and they were they were good performances there everyone expected her to get taken down and dominated in those fights and she she pulled off the upsets and people are kind of expecting that again here so i would love to see landsberg pull off another great performance but uh, i gotta side with mcmahon in this one just because i think that uh, mcmahon's pure wrestling is a lot better than chasen's a lot better than evinger's and if uh if mcmahon shoots for those legs shoots the doubles i see her getting them i don't see she's got really heavy top pressure and submissions as well so i don't see landsberg really having success getting back to her feet if mcmahon is able to take her down in rounds one and two but it should be a fun takedown battle type of fight. I'm siding with the wrestler here. But the first three fights are all wrestling uh, game plans I'm expecting from some people. I'm siding with the first wrestler here and McMahon to get it done. But in the betting window, it's dog or pass. I would not be betting McMahon as a favorite. Maybe the people who got in on her at plus money or maybe minus 120, minus 110, that's that's a, a good bet. But right now, minus 155, it's it's too steep right now. And uh, it's dog or pass in this situation. But the pick is going to be Sarah McMahon. Let's go with Second round submission, uh, arm triangle from the top. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Montel Jackson, who is 8-1, taking on Felipe Calaris, who is 9-1. The opening betting line for this one was Jackson, the favorite, at minus 700 to Calaris at plus 500. Right now, we are seeing Jackson minus 650 to Calaris plus 475, so... Not too much action coming in on this fight. I'm sure there's some small bets coming in on Kolaris at nearly 5-1. to one, And there's some people throwing uh, Jackson into parlays. But overall, not much action on this fight. I think the odds are a bit wide. Although I am you know, favoring Montel Jackson. I'd say that his chances are around 80-85%. So I'd say that maybe around... My, I'd say minus 600 isn't, isn't overly, um, overly egregious. But... Kolaris has a has a chance to win this fight. I mean, people really underestimated Kolaris last fight. Domingo Pilarte was like a three to one favorite in his UFC debut, and Kolaris was actually able to beat him by decision. So, 
Kolaris definitely shocked a lot of people. He shocked me. I thought he was kind of a bum after the Geraldo de Freitas fight, but then he made some big improvements after the, that fight, and he, he looked pretty good versus Pilarte. Now, I don't think that he will have much success versus Jackson, although Jackson has... A, only lost one fight in his, his short pro career and it was to Ricky Simone who pressured him who was uh, hitting takedowns who was getting body locks on him and was just giving him no space uh, because Montel Jackson is a physical specimen at Bantamweight I mean the dude is tall long has huge hands he's probably got the biggest reach in the weight class if I had to guess and he's a really hard guy to deal with I mean his striking is getting a lot better his kicks are dangerous his straight punches are really accurate and powerful his jab has been looking really really good over his past few fights and in the distance striking in this one I don't think Kolaris has much of a chance at all he probably gets picked apart and maybe even stopped but if Kolaris tries to replicate that same game plan that Simone did and it really relies around the body lock because Kolaris's body lock looked strong against Pilarte I mean he outgrappled Pilarte pretty heavily in those first two rounds I mean round one was pretty close but I mean Kolaris won that fight I mean Pilarte did some did some good things toward the end of the fight definitely won round three but um, Kolaris looked way improved he, he actually has a really good body kick too I mean I was impressed with his body kick uh, he hit Pilarte with really hard from that that orthodox stance and jackson is a southpaw so that body kick is going to be there for Kolaris. and i mean he has a few tools to win this fight the, the around uh possibly hitting that that right body kick uh on the southpaw stance from jackson and maybe uh, having some success with the body lock maybe tiring jackson out winning some minutes in the clinch and making this fight a little closer than the odds indicate but i mean you gotta pick uh, Jackson here I mean the dude is making massive improvements fight to fight he I mean he's looking like a, p a potential future champion out there I mean if he really patches up those holes in his takedown defense uh, and he starts learning how to use his physical attributes at 135 I mean he's going to be a tough matchup for everybody in the division so looking to see another good performance out of Jackson I think Kolaris actually looks a little bit better than that plus 475 next to his name out there too so this one's definitely going to be dogger pass I'm picking uh, Jackson I'd say his chances are around 80 85 percent um, but Kolaris does have a slim path to victory here and I actually hope it's a, a, a more of a competitive fight so uh, the pick is Jackson let's get it let's go with decision the next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Justine Kish, who is six and two, taking on Lucy Pudilova, who is eight and five. The opening betting line for this one was Pudilova, the minus 150 favorite to Kish, plus 120. Right now, we are seeing Pudilova, the favorite, at minus 165 to Kish, plus 145. So more action coming in on Pudilova's way as the favorite. And I, I agree with that action. I, I think that there's not really much of a reason to bet Kish in this fight. I mean, I would probably, I mean, it's going to be a pass for me because I think that Pudilova's kind of been underperforming her past few fights. I mean, she just got choked out by Antonina Shevchenko, which should tell you all you need to know, not a grappler at all. And really was, you know, really attempting the wrestling, the, the takedowns in that fight, and just wasn't having much success. I mean, P I know for a while Pudilova's been like training with uh, the 
Czech women's wrestling team, whatever that means. Um, and she's trying to implement it into her fights, but she's just not really having much success with it. Like uh, Liz Carmouche took her down. She wasn't able to stop the, stop the takedowns there. Uh, I mean, Pudilova's striking is pretty legit. She, of course, had that amazing fight with uh, Aldana a, a few years back. She's uh, really long. She's got a good jab. She can uh, throw some good uh, kicks, leg kicks. And she went full the full 15 minutes in that fight just throwing straight uh, back and forth uh, kickboxing fight with uh, Aldana so she has the ability to throw a high output of strikes on the feet and I think that's why I favor her in this matchup because Kish is coming off of a a two-year layoff she's coming off of some injuries as well and she just has not looked impressive in her last few fights I'm actually uh, kind of impressed with her striking technique I think she's got good technique like the way she throws her strikes is is very technically sound but her distance management is really bad. I mean, she really struggles hitting her opponents hard. She struggles getting her punches to her opponent's face, which sounds really silly. But, I mean, she really struggles hitting girls. I mean, she throws a lot of leg kicks. She has good leg kicks inside, outside from both stances and stuff like that. But she just really struggles to get off any meaningful strikes. Meanwhile, Pudilova's got those long arms, good jabs, straight punches. She's not going to have any problems at all. She's probably going to be sparking Kish on the feet with straight punches. So besides any weird massive improvements over uh, Kish's to Kish's game over the past few years and I mean Pudilova is not the most uh, smart the smartest uh, fight IQ fighter out there she tends to make some mistakes in fights and have some questionable decisions so I would be a little worried about trusting her as that minus 150 favorite but there's no question that I think Pudilova is the value side in this one I just don't see any value in Kish in the plus 100 range coming off that long layoff I mean she's got a tough matchup in front of her here and I think that this is Pudilova's fight so I'm going to pick up Pudilova to win this one by decision I could even see a a stoppage on the feet from Pudilova she really gets her striking going so uh, Pudilova is going to be the pick the next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Arnold Allen, who is 15-1, taking on Nick Lentz, who is 30-10-2. The opening betting line for this one was Allen, the favorite, at minus 265 to Lentz coming back at plus 185. Right now, we are seeing Allen minus 250 to Lentz plus 210. So, two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Allen. He was around 3-1 to one for a while. But now, the past few days, some action has been coming in on Nick, Nick Lentz. Uh, Allen was uh, minus 300 uh, uh, on Wednesday. And he is now minus 250 today so a lot of action coming in on Nick Lentz and I think I agree with it I mean Arnold Allen has pretty uh, notoriously struggled with grapplers the Mads Brunel fight sticks out where he got pushed against the cage taken down a lot by Mads Brunel in that fight and even had a pretty close fight with uh, Makwani Amerikani a very close grappling fight with him so Allen's striking is is really good I've, I've been impressed with it Nothing uh, crazy good. I mean, it's just very fundamentally sound, good defense. Uh, he's got some good southpaw boxing, uh, occasional good body kick as well. So I, I like what I see from him on the feet. Not not world beater status or anything like that, but I think that he should uh, have the better striking in this one by a pretty decent margin and should be out striking and hurting Nick Lentz on the feet. Not overly impressed with uh, Allen's power on the feet. I don't think he sits down on his shots very well, and he's more of a volume striker. But uh, Allen's really going to be focusing on stuffing the takedowns in this fight Nick Lentz is pretty comfortable grappling he has multiple grappling fights when he's grappled the whole 15 minutes and that fight versus Scott Holtzman uh last year is a fight you're going to want to look at I mean 
Holtzman was the better striker. He was bigger. That fight was at lightweight. And Nick Lentz is just relentless grappling. His constant pushing against the cage and going for takedowns won him that close decision. So Lentz is going to be looking to push out against the cage, possibly get takedowns from there, keep top position, maybe even get his submission game going. Although most of Lentz's submissions are by his guillotine, which is kind of a, a more of a defensive submission than anything. Um, so... I would really like Nick Lentz in this fight if he had better open space takedowns because that is where Mads Burnell really had his most success is when they were in open space with no cage behind him. He was shooting doubles and he was getting them on Allen and Allen really struggled to get up. But when Allen has the fence behind him, when he can use that fence to help him stuff takedowns and maybe even if he gets taken down, he can use the fence to help stand him back up. Allen's pretty good at that. So uh, I don't think that Nick Lentz will win this fight based on the fact that most most of his takedowns come against the cage, and I think that he might be a little, uh, honestly, physically weak compared to Allen in this one. I mean, Allen's a really strong dude. He's been working on his takedown defense because it's it's clearly his weakness, and the striking definitely goes down in this one. Uh, so right now where the odds are at, I honestly think there might be a little bit of value on Allen. I think the people who are coming in on him at uh, minus 300 were probably within value. I do cap him around 75 to 80% in this one, minus 300, minus 350 in that area. So uh, the pick is going to be Allen in this one. It's a, a short notice replacement. I think it was supposed to be Allen versus uh, Josh Emmett and Nick Lentz was, had a different fight lined up too, but it's a, a, they switched out opponents real quick. And I think that uh, Allen wins this one by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Bivon Lewis, who is 6-2, taking on Daquan Townsend, who is 21-9. The opening betting line for this one was Lewis, the minus 350 favorite, to Townsend, plus 275. Right now, we are seeing Lewis minus 440 to Townsend, plus 350. Much more action coming in on the favorite Bevon Lewis in this one. And I think it's mostly just a fade of Townsend. People are seeing how uh, poor he looked in his first fight in the UFC versus Dalsha Lungumbula. He got taken down and kept down for the first two rounds and then eventually dropped with a left hook and knocked out in round three of that fight. But that was a, a short notice fight for uh, Daquan. It was also a fight uh, up a weight class. Uh, he, he had fought a late heavyweight before, but was definitely undersized and fat at that weight class he's dropping down to 85 here he um you know i guess it's kind of a relevant story to the fight he he did test, test positive for cocaine and fentanyl like six or seven months ago and has apparently gone through rehab in the past few months before the, taking this fight so i don't know if it's a good or a bad thing he might be more focused than ever or he might be jonesing for some fentanyl so it's a it's a tough fight to pick because Bevon Lewis is also kind of kind of a flake as well. I mean, two fights in the UFC, he went 0 and 2. He was winning that fight versus uh, Uriah Hall, soundedly was outstriking in rounds one and two, then got knocked out cold with a counter right hand from Uriah Hall in round three. And that Darren Stewart fight, I mean, he was pretty much dominated in that Darren Stewart fight. I mean, he was getting dropped with leg kicks, he got out clinched, he got taken down, I believe, in that fight as well. So I mean. His start to his UFC career has been pretty bad. And, you know, just based on that fight alone, uh, or based on his past two fights alone, I don't think it's worth it uh, laying that minus 400, minus 440 chalk on on, uh, 
Lewis in this one. I mean, like I said, it seems like a pure fade of Townsend, and I actually think that Townsend will look a little bit better this fight than he showed in that fight versus Lungambula. I mean, he he hasn't showed very great skills on, in his regional fights. They're mostly grappling, sloppy, sloppy grappling, heavy, heavy on the feet, not very good striking at all. Um, but I mean, Lewis is, has had some mental lapses in the octagon, only eight, eight pro fights. And I mean, he looked really good in those first two rounds versus uh, Hall. He looked good on the contender series. His striking looked good and he, he had good clinch work as well. And I am expecting Lewis to uh, outstrike Townsend pretty handedly on the feet. I mean, Lewis is just going to be so much quicker and more accurate with his strikes. But, I mean, anything can happen. These guys are pretty low level. And based on that alone, I think it's Dogger Pass. Townsend plus 350 is not an awful bet. I mean, personally, I'll be staying away entirely from this one. But just based on the, the fact that Lewis ha has uh, underperformed in his past two fights and we've yet to seen him put through a good belt-to-belt uh, -belt performance in the UFC, it might be worth a, a stab on D Townsend just for the value of it. But the pick is going to be Lewis. I think he should be a favorite in this one. Maybe minus 300 is appropriate, but the line right now is a little bit wide. I'm picking Lewis to outstrike him to a decision. Let's go with 30-27 uh, for Lewis. Now, the first fight on the main card is in the light heavyweight division. We have Jamal Hill, who is 6-0, taking on Darko Stosik, who is 13-3. The opening betting line for this one was Stosik, minus 126, to Hill, minus 104. A very weird opener. And now we are seeing the line flip hill minus 125 to stosic plus 105 so the line has flipped more action coming in on hill's way and i totally agree with this action i'm actually pretty impressed with what i've seen from jamal hill and he has had some some moments he actually fought daquan townsend not that long ago and he got floored with a left hand from uh from daquan townsend i have no idea how he did not get knocked out but he got dropped hard he recovered fast he ended up getting on top uh getting a takedown and ending the round in mouth so i mean he recovered well from that knockdown and then he went on to dominate the rest of the fight it was a five round fight he dominated the entire fight from that moment on so little slip up in the defensive uh striking from hill in that spot but his fight where he looked really great is the contender series and that was uh the fight versus Popek. Popek not a great level opponent but i mean he showed a lot of good stuff in that fight he's a tall rangy southpaw he stuffed a few of Popek's takedowns he's got a real hard left kick that he goes to the, the body and the head with his boxing does not look great he looks kind of sloppy in the boxing aspect of things definitely in the defensive area too that's why townsend called him but his his clinch game is really good he does damage with his knees he he hit Popic with so many knees to the body eventually leading to the tko in that fight and i mean his his knees really set up everything man he he really tries to get in the clinch as often as he can to to get those knees to the body and i think that's a really good strategy in this matchup because stosic has had problems with gassing out i mean it's there's no doubt about it he is his output looked pretty bad in the clark fight in the later rounds he's a super muscular guy he's got a, a really short stocky frame and he just has the frame uh, where he gasses out now in round three of that fight his most recent fight versus in he 
he did look good he actually won round three of that fight but with the constant breaks for the the nut shots in that fight there were literally three or four multiple minute breaks for nut shots in that fight so that's why stosic was a little bit less gas in that fight but if he's fighting hill here and he's getting pushed or getting pressured and getting put on his back foot and eating knees to the stomach i expect stosic to gas out early so Pending any knockout from Stosic early, maybe he, he touches the chin of uh, of Hill here with that defensive liability that Hill's got. But, man, I've been really unimpressed with Stosic. He's, his boxing is not that good. He really mostly throws leg kicks. That's really what he specializes in is leg kicks. I mean, he, he can stuff a takedown as well, and he's he's got a good base. But literally all he was landing versus Ancestraku was leg kicks. I mean, he really uh, maybe landed a few body kicks and a few punches along the way. But I think Hill's going to control the striking. He's going to be way longer quicker um, and he's going to be using that reach to keep Stosic at range maybe getting into the clinch and punishing uh, Stosic to the body and I think that this is going to be honestly a showcase fight for Hill I'm pretty confident in Hill here maybe we uh, maybe I'll hedge on, on like Darko round one Darko knockout or something like that and then just bet uh, Hill's money line pretty hard because I'm pretty sure if Stosic doesn't knock him out early uh, Hill's going to run away with this fight and start styling on him with his striking so I really like what I've seen from Hill he has not fought stiff competition yet. He's not really been tested by anybody good yet. So it's kind of a risky pick, a risky bet. But, I mean, he's making – I mean, his improvements from the Townsend fight to the the, the Popic fight were massive. And I just think he's going to keep on improving. And I don't think Stostic is the guy to make him uh, – to, to give him his first loss uh, here. So I think that Hill will roll. I think we're actually going to see a, a knockout from Hill in the second or third round once those uh, the body work starts accumulating. So the pick is going to be Hill by TKO. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Hannah Cyphers, who is 10 and 3, versus Angela Hill, who is 10 and 7. The opening betting line for this one was Cyphers minus 135 to Hill plus 105. Shocking opening line. Right now, the line has flipped. We are seeing Hill minus 165 to Cyphers plus 145. Heavy action coming in on Angela Hill. Her chances were around 51% at openers. Now they're around 63, 64. So a lot of action coming in on Hill. That's a huge amount of action uh, for a, a fight that opened 50-50. All of a sudden, 14, 13% swayed in Angela Hill's way. So the public is agreeing uh, with Angela Hill on this side. And I agree as well. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of both of these girls, honestly. And Hannah Cyphers is so tough, and she's not, you know, not a great athlete, but she has still come into the UFC and picked up a, a couple nice wins over, you know, Esquibol in the last fight. Not an impressive win at all, but her fight against Viana was a tough, hard-fought win. She even gave uh, Macy Barber a bit of a tough round one before getting TKO'd in round two. But uh, Cyphers will keep coming at you. She's well-rounded. She can hit takedown, stuff takedown, stay on top, and her striking's not that bad either. But and in, the, in, the, in this fight the reason why I'm, I'm favoring hill is because i think hill uh has had trouble getting taken down and held down but i don't think cyphers takedowns in her top game is really good enough to to be taking hill down here i think this one will be a kickboxing match and i just think hill has more better volume uh, better accuracy and, uh, and she uses you know all of her tools a little bit better i think she 
She jabs a little bit better. She throws better kicks. She is more comfortable trading in the pocket. She's had a lot, a lot of experience in 15-minute striking wars with really good competition, like Andrade, and she even TKO'd Carnell Soli in her last fight. She was doing great work in the clinch. Angela Hill was with her knees and elbows, and was just throwing elbows all fight versus Carnell Soli, and it paid off. And eventually, she got that TKO finish in round three. So was super happy uh, for Hill in that fight, picking up that nice win. And even before that i mean that fight versus yan shannon I, I still to this day score that fight for angela hill angela hill won rounds one and three of that fight um that triangle at the end of round one definitely secured the, the, that round for hill i don't understand how you could score a round for someone who is ending the round in a locked in triangle about to get tapped out which was how Sh- yan shannon ended that one so uh, I really like Hill. Like I said, both fan of, uh, a fan of both of these women. I'd say that the line right now is, is a bit steep. I mean, I think that uh, Angela Hill fights are always close. She always has a, a tendency to make them a little closer than they have to be because she likes trading in the pocket. She's fearless. She she really likes exchanging, and that's not what you want to, from your fighter when you're paying minus one sixty five for her. You want her to be safe and take like this the safest path to victory. But sometimes Hill doesn't do that. So I think Hill wins this fight. I think that uh, she has a pretty big striking advantage in this one unless cyphers mixes in the takedowns in this fight i do not see cyphers winning so uh i think that hill is the rightful side in this one i think she will she will win by decision but i'd say it's probably dogger pass right now i mean it's a pass from both sides i don't think 145 is a good price for cypher so i guess the value is on the the, the favorite in this one hill um but i think that the, laying that minus 165 chalk will be a bit of a sweat so this is going to be a pass for me and looking to just enjoy this fight between uh, two uh, women's fighters I enjoy like and watch fights so the next fight in the main card is going to be in the flyweight division we have Jordan Espinosa who is 14 and 6 taking on Alex Perez who is 22 and 5 the opening betting line for this one was Perez the favorite at minus 280 to Espinosa plus 220 right now we are seeing Perez minus 265 to Espinosa plus 225 so two-way action coming in on this fight uh the early action came in on perez for sure and uh, now you're starting to see a little bit um, more action coming in on espinosa but definitely the more action coming in on perez he's the favorite for a reason i favor him in this matchup i i mean i think it's actually a really good matchup for perez he's dropping back down to flyweight he i think he looked the best at flyweight like his win over shorty torres that crazy knockout in round one was at flyweight but i think he missed weight for the fight with joe benavidez he decided to go up to flyweight, picked up a dominant, dominant victory over Mark De La Rosa of just 15 minutes of domination. Um, and now he's back down to flyweight here. Espinosa is coming off of a uh, kind of a, an iffy loss to uh, Matt Schnell. He hit Schnell with a couple good punches early in that fight, but he's got this style where he blitzes in and out. And he's got a lot of movement to his style, and he blitzed in that one time, and he got caught with a glancing shot behind the ear. His legs gave out from underneath him, and he ended up getting a triangle choke by Matt Schnell uh, not too long ago. So, I think that uh, I mean that was kind of a weird uh, weird anomaly because I mean he got hit with a punch like right behind the ear and kind of like I said you could see his body like give out he he like kind of got knocked out for a second by like a glancing shot and well, that's kind of like a fluke outcome honestly because I think it, if the two of them kept striking I think Espinosa could have maybe found the chin of Schnell and possibly hurt Schnell and uh, knock him out because uh, Espinosa throws hands really hard he's got good oblique kicks but uh, I mean. 
I think his game is sort of untested. I mean, he, he had a really low output win over Eric Shelton in one of his most recent fights. I mean, that was a, a hard fight to watch. Really low output. Not much happened in it. A lot of people thought Shelton won it. But, I mean, Espinosa doubled him up on strikes, and it, it, nothing really happened. So, you, it's I mean, it's a close fight, and they're going to be split decisions sometimes. So, Espinosa's takedown defense has not really been tested, but... I mean, Alice Perez's takedowns and his top game is really good. He had takedowns on De La Rosa a lot. He kept top on him. And De La Rosa is really a grappler, and he was just not scared one bit of De La Rosa. And, I mean, it's mostly because of the size difference between the two. But um, Perez's boxing is also re- very good, too. I think that he throws really good combinations. He digs to the body a lot. And uh, I think this is going to be a really fun fight. I, I do favor Perez in the striking, and I do think that Perez has the better uh, takedowns and top game of the two. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Espinosa's takedown defense holds up because if Perez can't get the takedowns and it's a pure boxing match, we could see a close fight. And I do think the odds will be closer or the fight will be closer than the odds indicate if Perez can't get the takedowns. But if Perez starts level change and he gets his top game going, I think we're going to start seeing why Perez has that minus 265 price tag next to his name. So the, the pick is going to be Perez to win this one. Uh, I'll, let's go with 30-27 decision for Perez. The next fight is the co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We have Rafael Dos Anjos, who is 29 and 12, taking on Michael Chiesa, who is 15 and 4. The opening betting line for this one is Dos Anjos minus 215 to Chiesa plus 165. Right now, we are seeing more action coming in on RDA. He is now minus 260 to Chiesa plus 220. So pretty good amount of action coming in on RDA pushing him from minus 215 to minus 260 and I agree with that line movement it's I think it's spot on honestly I mean big RDA fan I mean anybody who isn't I don't think is an MMA fan I mean this guy is just such a, a professional of MMA he's been around for 10 15 years in the UFC it seems like and he's just been fighting the highest of highest level competition at lightweight at welterweight I mean he he went through the ringer at lightweight won the title defended the title and then he moved up to to welterweight and now he's fighting some of the best guys at welterweight like Covington and like Usman and Edwards I mean those are the three best welterweights in the world Usman Edwards and Covington and RDA had to fight all three of them and he went the distance with all three of them. So, I mean, a lot of people will look at RDA's past couple of fights and think he's declining. I mean, I'm, I, he's definitely not the fighter he once was. But, I mean, he's getting put through the ringer consistently. And he his takedown defense has been tested heavily by these past couple guys. And you'll see a lot of people picking Kiesa in this fight, thinking that Kiesa is going to ha- have an easy time taking him down like uh, Covington and like uh, Usman did. I mean, they had to work for those takedowns too, and RDA's takedown defense is is actually very good. It's just the he can be taken down by really high level wrestlers. I mean, like 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 Kevin Lee got him down, and I mean even uh, Edwards got him down. I mean he's not impenetrable to take down, but. He has very good underhooks. He was had a lot of success with that Kimura versus Kevin Lee stuff and takedowns. And I think that Michael Chiesa's takedowns are not on nearly on the same level as some of the guys that have been taking RDA down lately. So Chiesa is is no doubt going to be looking for the takedowns in this one. He he needs takedowns to win. He needs uh, I don't even know to outgrapple RDA to win. But I mean RDA's jujitsu is actually better than Chiesa's. I think that Chiesa has a very slim chance at winning this fight in the striking at the distance striking i think rda is going to eat kiesa up same in the clinch just 
RDA is just so much better, uh, so much better in the clinch, better at distance. He's just going to be outstriking and winning almost every exchange on the feet. He has his main path to victory. I'd say is to get a, like a kind of a stall against the wall type of fight uh, where he's p going for takedowns and RDA is defending them, but he's not able to get off the cage. I mean, RDA does get stuck on the cage a lot. He's had a lot of his most recent fights when he's just stuck up against the cage defending takedowns and he can't circle off the cage. And you know, he wouldn't have done that a few years ago, but I mean, his, his body is not the same as it once was. He's fighting huge guys at welterweight. I mean, the, some of the biggest guys at welterweight, the, the, the highest level, highest rank guys. And it, but he's still giving them very tough fights. He's still hard to take down. He's not easy to control on the ground. And he got his back taken by Kevin Lee at one point in their fight. He defended well. He escaped. I mean, his sub defense is on point. He's such a great positional grappler. And I just don't see Michael Chiesa having the takedowns, having the back takes. Any, I mean, maybe we see Chiesa get one of those back takes against the cage where he uses a his uh, long legs to push off against the cage and he gets one but i mean Kessa struggled taking or controlling condit on the ground uh he out grappled um michael diego sanchez in his last fight but i mean they fight the fight before that his last fight at lightweight he he went for takedown super hard versus pettis early got a few takedowns was not able to hold pettis down then gassed out really bad ended up getting dropped by a punch in round two and and getting triangled so i mean kiesa is consistently like making dumb mistakes in the cage i mean his performance versus pettis was just terrible he did so many bad things and just pissed away that fight he missed weight bad iq bad decisions he was showboating at the wrong times i mean he he, he deserved that loss uh, completely so I'm, I'm not really buying kiesa's like move up to welterweight transforming his game i still think he's pretty much the same fighter he always was his striking at distance and his clinch is not good he can be hit pretty easily and he really relies on those takedowns he really relies on his durability a lot of the times i mean sometimes like sometimes like like the the Daryush fight he just stayed tough got his ass whooped for a few minutes Daryush gassed out and then he was able to take take his back and, and choke him out so most of kiesa's wins are against much much lower lower level opponents than RDA uh, I think this is another this is actually a huge step down in competition for RDA while it's probably Kiesa's toughest fight of his entire career so the pick for me in this one as you could tell is going to be Rafael Dos Anjos I think he wins this one by decision the only real way I see Kiesa winning is is also by decision I don't think he submits him and I think it's because uh, of just a really close grappling fight when they're both stalling against the cage a lot a lot maybe some takedowns and get ups and just not much is happening in the fight so best case for Kiesa is like a stall against the wall stall against the cage type of fight and I think that that is not going to happen so the pick for me is going to be RDA to win this one by decision in terms of the betting window I, I get the people who came in on on RDA early maybe but I mean where the price is now I think it's a, it's a bit steep I mean I think this fight has potential to be close on the scorecards with the scenario I mentioned against the cage uh, in the in the clinching and just a, a very like uneventful fight I think that could happen here with the way these two match up so be careful laying that chalk on RDA I do think he will win and uh, but we might get a better price live on RDA and uh, I would say it's a dog or pass where the odds are at now. It's a straight up pass for me. I don't see much value on Kiesa. So the pick is RDA, but no bet on this one for me. And that is going to segue us into the main event of the evening. In the heavyweight division, we got Curtis Blades, who was 12 and 2, taking on Junior Dos Santos, who was 21 and 6. The opening betting line for this one was Blades, the favorite, at minus 
185 to Junior Dos Santos, the plus 145 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Blades minus 250, Dos Santos plus 210. So even more action coming in on the favorite Blades' way. And rightfully so, that minus 185 is a great price. Congratulations to anybody who got him when he was below 2-1. to one. And this is a... Uh, I mean, Junior Dos Santos is, is at the end of his career for sure. He's still a dangerous striker, but, I mean, his athleticism and his durability is definitely in question. He uh, got knocked out by Nagano last fight. It was a very, I mean, he threw a big looping overhand, and, of course, he got countered and knocked out. I mean, it was a very predictable loss for Junior Dos Santos to take in that fight. But, I mean, his boxing fundamentals are still there. He's still got a good jab. He still has a, a good uppercut, which I think is going to be his way to win this fight. Now, Blades on the feet, he, he really likes to stay in that distance, not really engaging in the pocket too much, and then just looking for that time to set up his takedowns. Uh, round one, he shoots right away, like he did versus uh, Abdurminikov. He, uh, he, he shot within 20 seconds versus him. Or he could do it the way he did versus Overeem, which he kind of danced around on the outside, avoid engaging, not really trading any strikes with Overeem, and then right when the time is right, he shoots his double and he gets it. And I think that that's what he'll do here. I mean, he'll probably toy around with Dos Santos on the feet for about a minute, feel him out, um, look for Dos Santos to, to become aggressive, and then Blades is going to be looking to level change. And even though that Junior Dos Santos has had some pretty historically good takedown defense, I mean, it's just at heavyweight. I mean, Curtis Blades is 245 pounds, and he is blasting a double at you. I mean, there's almost no way to stop that some of the times. I mean, maybe you can get back up to your feet after he, he temporarily gets you down. But, I mean, Blades' takedowns are so hard to stop. He's just so powerful. And he comes at you so fast that, I mean, his very few heavyweights can stop his takedowns. I mean, I don't know if any can, honestly. So maybe maybe Stipe Miocic could. I mean, uh, Ngannou might have. His only real losses have come to Ngannou. So, so um, on the feet, this one should be going towards Junior Dos Santos. He's just a much better boxer, even though Blades has can throw a decent jab from time to time. And the way I see Junior Dos Santos winning this fight, if any, is blades telegraphing one of those takedowns sometimes he telegraphs it he shoots from a far distance and junior dos santos needs to time an uppercut and and rock curtis blades possibly knock him out to win this fight because i don't think that junior can hurt him at distance because blades is just not going to be striking with him at the range that junior dos santos wants he's they're not going to be trading in boxing range at all blades is going to be on the outside moving in and out and just looking to time his takedown so the way Junior Junior needs to hit him when he's coming in on that takedown, and he can be hit. I mean, that Abdurminikov fight in round two, he shot a far take uh, a distance uh, a takedown from a very far distance, didn't set it up well, and Abdurminikov timed that uppercut. Now he might have glanced off, the punch might have glanced him, but it just did not connect clean. And I mean, Junior Dos Santos is a much better boxer than uh, uh, Shamil, so that's. Junior's path to victory here is, is catching Blades on the way in with an uppercut or something like that. Like Overeem caught Blades with a knee, but literally it was Blades just ate the knee. I mean, it was a super, super hard knee, and Blades ate it, still got the takedown, still got the top pressure. And it, once Blades gets the takedown, I, that, I think that should be a wrap. Even if he gets one takedown in round one, I don't see Junior Dos Santos getting back up. Even if he gets up, Blades is going to drag him back down, keep dragging him down, look to get him tired. And then he, I mean, Blades really knows his strategy well. He doesn't really try to advance position too much or ground and pound you in the first few minutes when he takes 
chase you down. He's just solely focused on dragging you back down, tiring you out. Maybe he'll give you a little bit of space like Khabib does, but then drag you back down. I mean, it's a very mentally uh, draining way to fight, physically draining too, you know, using putting all your weight on your hands and trying to stand up and then just getting dragged right back down again. So I think Blades does that for a few minutes, then eventually starts letting loose on the ground and pound, letting loose on passing guard, getting the mount, and then probably pounds Junior Dos Santos out with some ground and pound in rounds two or three of this fight. So um, I'm going to be picking Blades to win this one. Let's go with a third round TKO, uh, ground and pound TKO for Blades. So that is going to do it for this card. It's a, like I said, it's a, been a fun card to analyze top to bottom. I think I got a pretty good grasp on some of these fights. Um, uh, no no bets towards the main card yet. I'd say that uh, the, the spots I like the best will probably be two units on Landware, two units on Johns, along with Johns' no scorecard. Maybe a Sarah McMahon submission prop. Jamal Hill money line, maybe with a Darko Stosic round one hedge or something like that. And uh, not not too many bets on the main card though. Jamal Hill's only the real spot I'm I'm in love with. I think the other ones are kind of a uh, big favorites, and we'll probably just look for some live betting spots for the rest of the cards. So um, that is going to do it for the podcast this week. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. There's no UFC next week, but we will be back for UFC 247 the week after that, I believe. So I will see you all later. Hope you all enjoy the card. Peace.